Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. It's over. It's over and done with. 2019 in MLS for both LAFC and LA Galaxy. And we will take a look at both. Of course, one of those games, we haven't even talked since then. Remember we had Soccer Weekly the day before the Galaxy and LAFC went to do it at the bank. LAFC fully deserved that victory. And then LAFC went and played Seattle Sounders a couple of nights ago. And it was the same game, almost. Almost the same. Not in the style of play, but the way it went down as beating the Galaxy. That's what it looked like for LAFC with Seattle taking care of business. Sounders fully deserved the win. Now, was Javier Ariaga a bit of a punk? Yes. Were the Sounders flopping around? Yes, but that's what teams do. It's fine, right? Everybody uh, does that kind of stuff. They fully deserved it. Because the Sounders figured out what the Galaxy could not do. And we talked about it. The Galaxy could not defend with 11. Zlatan won't do it. He can't do it. He's not able to do it. And he should not do it. But if you don't defend with 11, you don't beat LAFC. Right? The best team in MLS can only be beaten by defending with 11 and taking care of what few chances you're going to get. And Seattle Sounders did that to perfection. Nico Lodero, who had been non-existent against LAFC in the previous meetings last year and this season. Nico Lodero looked awful, to be perfectly frank, in all of the previous meetings between these two teams. Awful. I think Nico Lodero is a fantastic player. He looked like garbage against LAFC until the playoffs and when it mattered on Tuesday night. And he was fantastic. LAFC had done the business against him in all the previous meetings. Those were regular season. And Raul Rui Diaz completed and scored on a couple of the thing, uh, chances that he got, right? The, uh, Seattle had five shots on goal. They scored three goals. You can't allow that to happen. They actually held LAFC to just four shots on goal, which was dynamic 11-man defending. Don't get me wrong. It's why they fully deserved to win, because they took advantage of their chances. But we've seen this script before. Everybody thinks, oh, Brian Schmetzer, a genius manager. Well, he just watched what Mark Dos Santos in Vancouver did against them. He watched what other bad teams had done against LAFC, which was throw everybody behind the football and pray you're successful on your chances. That's it. That's all you can do against the best team in the league. And... It, look, here's the bottom line. LAFC, this is ultra disappointing, very disappointing. They didn't play well. Nobody played well on Tuesday. No one for LAFC. Save Brian Rodriguez. He didn't play bad. I thought Brian Rodriguez actually looked pretty good. So that's a good thing for the future, by the way. But nobody played well. Seattle played really well. 
But the best team I've ever seen in MLS, the only way you can beat them was to defend with 11 and pray that you're successful on your chance or two or three. And Seattle did it. But to sit here and say, oh, man, they figured it out. Oh, boy, they really uh, came up with some amazing new game plan. No. The problem for LAFC was LAFC. It really had very little to do with Seattle, other than they took their chances. Again, Minnesota took their chances playing the same way. If you take your chances when you get them, a few of them, then you can be successful against any team, including LAFC, the best team I've ever seen in MLS. And they will continue to be the best team I've ever seen until someone proves otherwise. No, they didn't win. That's just the way it goes. They're not, they're not going to be remembered as the best, I can tell you that much. That's the bottom line. Whether Dave Denholm tells you that on, ta- on Soccer Weekly, it doesn't matter. Whether I spew on Twitter, at Talk Soccer about it, that doesn't matter either. Nobody's going to remember LAFC in 2019 unless you are the black and gold. Unless you are a diehard fan. Because you didn't win in the playoffs. And we all know that. The team that's going to be remembered in 2019 is Seattle or Toronto FC. So that's the cold, hard reality of it. LAFC were not good enough. I'll, I'll just bottom line it for you. I thought uh, MLS best 11, Edward Atuesta, did not have a good game. He had a great goal. And he is a magnificent player. Wasn't his best game. But that goes with everybody. It's not, I'm not just trying to pinpoint one person. To me, here's where the game changed. Where everything went wrong for LAFC. It was that challenge by Ariaga, who played like a butcher at times in that game, back defensively for Seattle, let's be frank about it. But he got away with it when he rocketed into Carlos Vela in the area. Everything changed. Carlos Vela did not look the same. I wonder if he might have gotten rocked by that, and maybe, I don't know. I have no knowledge of this. I'm just speculating. Vela did not look the same after that hit. Now, we can sit here and argue about how it was a penalty or it wasn't called. Jair Marufo had, let's just say, a questionable game as the referee. But after that NFL-style safety tackle over the middle by Ariaga in the box that knocked Carlos Vela backwards and onto the turf, Vela was never the same. Now, here's the thing you can talk about in MLS. If you're going to let those kind of plays go against your best players, then you deserve to not have the best team in the league ever in your final. And you deserve less people watching. That's the bottom line. Is it the reason LAFC lost? Well, I don't know. See, here's the thing. Seattle fully deserved to win because they played within the realm of how the game was called and they did what they had to do and they did it very well. The Sounders deserved to win. Hear me on that. Don't let that escape your ears. All right? Plant that in your brain as I talk to you going forward here. Seattle deserved to win. LAFC, to, to then go and extrapolate further with some of the horrific calls on handballs by Seattle, not one, not two, three, and maybe four penalties total with the Ariaga blasting of Vela that wasn't called, to then say, well, that's not why LAFC lost. We don't know that. 
any one of those calls, if called properly or at least looked at by VAR or at least Marufo getting another look, might have changed everything. It's ridiculous. There are two separate issues. It's ridiculous to say, well, Seattle won 3-1, to one, so that's not why LAFC lost. Are we sure? A penalty call anywhere along the way could change everything. And certainly the early clashing of Ariaga into Vela, if that was called a PK on a second look by Marufo, who apparently is allergic to going over and checking the VAR, if that is called, that's an early second goal potentially. for That changes everything. Don't tell me, oh, that's not why they lost. No, they didn't play well enough to win. Seattle deserved it. But you cannot just, oh, well, the referee didn't go check VAR. What are we going to do? Complain about it for 12 minutes, and then we'll forget about it. No! It is why I must hearken back to what I've been saying. VAR is the death of sport. It's killing the sport. How does that referee get away with not even looking? You know my feelings. I hate VAR. You want to get rid of it tomorrow? Great. I'm all aboard. I am leading that chain. I am the conductor of that train. But if you have it and you do not look, you must be fired. You must be relieved of your duties. I don't care if it's an MLS. I'm not just picking on MLS. VAR is a disgrace to the game, to world football. If you have the system in place, however, as much as I hate it, and then don't even look, what are we doing? And then to be more ignorant, put your head in the sand and say, well, that's not why they lost. We don't know that. I'm not saying that's why they lost in terms of how LAFC played, but they may have won had some of those calls gone their way appropriately. If Marufo goes over there and checks the video and comes out and says no, then you could just have an argue about, well, he had a bad game, maybe he missed a few calls. That happens. At least he went and looked. But you cannot just disassociate from the fact that VAR is broken and a mess. And to handle it the way they did in that game is just patently absurd. Why to even have it? You didn't have it. Was VAR broken that night and they just didn't want to tell anybody? I mean, I'm, I'm being serious here. Was there something wrong with the video feed and they just don't, they want to hide that? Did they tell Marufo before the match? Look, we don't have VAR tonight. Or so- I mean, come on. Not why they lost. Well, wait a minute. It's not taking anything away from Seattle deserving to win. Once the calls are made, the Sounders played within the framework of the game and beat LAFC. It's two separate issues, but I have to address it. You can't just not address that. That's ridiculous. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Vince LaRosa, LAFC Vince from LAFC.com. Going to come back in a couple of segments here we're going to do with Vince, just really breaking down this season deeper than just one game because it was a magnificent ride for LAFC. LA Galaxy, well, we'll talk more about them as well. Soccer Weekly rolls on. I am Dave Dunholm here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. It is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm. A, a tough one here. On a special Thursday Halloween edition of Soccer Weekly. A tough one. 
LAFC season comes to an end a couple of days ago at the bank, losing to Seattle Sounders 3-1. to And to break it down further, as a man we love here and respect immensely on Soccer Weekly and at ESPN LA, it is the great Vince LaRosa joining us now for Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this right now. Vince LaRosa at LAFC Vince in studio. What a pleasure. I know. It's awesome. Awesome to be here, although under... It should have been better circumstances. but Yeah, well, that's the sad part, Vince. We love talking, and now we're going to do a couple of segments with you because we got a lot to talk about. And unfortunately, it's not previewing MLS Cup, at least with the black and gold in it. We will, we may talk a little bit about that. But, Vince, let's get right to it. Let me start with the, uh, the thing I was talking about right before the break. And the reason I bring this up real quickly, obviously, we're not going to focus on this, but I have to get to it right off the bat because I finished the last segment, Vince. Two things can be true at once. Seattle fully deserved to beat LAFC on Tuesday night at the bank. And VAR is a disgrace. And what in the world happened with the referee hire Marufo? Vince, I'm at a loss for words still. Three, four possible penalties? You don't even pretend to go look at a monitor for any call as if you think you are 100% right on all of those? Kim Kihi throws his arm backwards to knock a ball down, and you miss that and still don't take a look? What are we doing, Vince? I mean, Dave, this is, this is why I love you, and this is also why we love this sport, is exactly what you said. There's there's so many ideas you have to hold in your head that are, seem contradictory, and, and simultaneously you have to believe that they're true. And I, I 100% agree with you. And I, I, I'm, I'm almost of the mind that, I and I wrote this after the match, I don't even want to get into VAR so much because – just the the refereeing decisions in general, the 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 way he wanted the the climate of the game, um, it was pretty obvious from the onset um, when he's telling when Carlos Vela goes down just outside the box uh, and he's telling us shoulder to shoulder and I, I used a, a hockey adage to kind of help someone out with that. I said, "Man, you could see his numbers. That's not shoulder to shoulder. He's shoving the guys back." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Jerry Marufo, and especially in light of when we see the penalty call now the next the following day. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, VAR is one thing, I, and I, I think the way we talk about VAR is uh, it's difficult because there's so much, it's so clandestine. We don't know. It's like somebody in a little room, uh, you know, Zlatan makes his little comments uh, after the, the Galaxy game. Um, they do, you know, obviously they, they look at it. I think that's one thing that we have to try to try to mention is VAR, VAR itself, the video assistant referee, you would assume is looking at these plays. Now, whether or not he is the one that can force the referee to move over or does Jairo Marufo say, no, absolutely not. I don't need to. Um, that's where we get into murky territory. Cause well, I mean, obviously wait a minute though, Vince, you then, then shame on the dude back in New York, because I would be saying, look, you look like an idiot. Jair. go to the monitor. This was a, I mean, at some point you got to tell the referee on the field, you must go look. Yeah, this absolutely. Is ridiculous. And here's the thing. Vince, Vince brings up a great point. They are separate. The refereeing and VAR. Because everybody in this league has gotten the shaft from VAR this year at some point or another. I'm convinced of that. So the Galaxy had a complaint about it a week before, and rightfully yeah. so, if they wanted to complain about something. It may, may well have been offside. That's a little bit closer. That's a lot. I mean, we've all seen calls. Every team has a right to complain about VAR, in my estimation. So this is not just about LAFC versus Seattle. I'm sure Seattle's been screwed over at some point this season by VAR. It's a bigger principle. But you you are discussing Marufo, and you you can't separate it. You're right. It, it is part of the match. The arrogance, then, of a referee to not check a system that's supposed to be in there, 
You know me, I hate VAR. I wish it was gone, and I'd be fine just complaining about a ref for about 10 minutes and then moving on. But Vince, this is the system we have. If you don't use it, what is the point? Right, and you know what? I will make one caveat about the separation, though. It's it's separate in the fact that there's two different men working, men or women working the, the system, but it's not separate in the fact that these are usually other referees, right? Yeah. So yeah. they're all part of the, the fraternity. They're all part of pro. They and don't want to show each other up. Exactly. I yeah. think that's where we run into the problems, and that's where, like you said, hey, you, you should be yelling at a guy, look, you absolutely have to take a look at this, the integrity of this match. The integrity of yourself is, is under review at this point, and it doesn't hurt you to come look at it. And I think maybe that's where we have to remove that stigma either we have to remove that stigma or we have to force referees to go in there and use somebody that's outside of the pro well um, union and that's a great basically point. do that i also think you know what vince they they grade referees on a lot of stuff i hope they grade them on their use or lack thereof of var now you know how they grade referees right. we always see the pro guy there grading the refs during games sometimes they're more hidden sometimes they're a little more open about it they better be grading how they're working with VAR because you get the sense at times that maybe referees don't want to go to the monitor to look bad or to feel like they might have missed a call. Well, then FIFA needs to step in and say, you know what? You're not going to referee the FIFA World Cup or the Under-17 World Cup because you don't know how to handle VAR. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the referees are there as arbiters. And, and, you know, the one thing that drives me crazy is that the talk of, well, we want the players to settle the game. The players' actions settle the game. Referees yeah. don't preemptively it's not like they look and say hey uh it looks like you're coming in pretty hot you're probably going to foul that guy we're going to go penalty no no the penalty still happens the the foul still happens so that just drives me nuts when people say well i don't want to see cards in my semifinals i don't want to see cards in my finals no i do because you know what cards do they especially yellow cards force you to then defend differently and not only that you know what yellow cards do they show out in the long run who the better team is. Right. Because it forces, like you said, Gustav Svensson to stop being a butcher or Javier Arriaga to stop playing out of control right from the get-go. It forces those guys who are not as good as LAFC or whoever their opponents are. It forces the weaker player to either get better or get beat. And that is is part of the game. You're 100% right. You have to make those calls. This is not hockey where we're going to let things go. Uh, speaking of another Ariaga butchery, Vince, let's get to the actual game yeah. because I do I think do think it matters. Carlos Vela did not look good for most of the game and it happened right after Ariaga clashed with him in the penalty box and knocked him flat out silly. I thought Carlos Vela never recovered from that, Vince. That's my theory. Mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong. He just didn't quite look the same after that hit. I mean, maybe not physically, but I think, uh, you know, psychologically it plays a part in your game, right? So you're, you're Carlos Vela and you're, you're playing in the number nine position. You've got two larger center backs on you and, and you've already realized that, okay, in two different opportunities, I've not been protected by the referee. So what do I have to do now? Well, after that, he didn't really spend much time trying to get you know, directly in contact with those center backs. He wasn't going to, yeah. you know, stretch the play. And that's why I think a lot of the reason why you see Adama Diamande come in as early as he does, because Bob says, okay, well, I need a, I need a guy in there that's going to, that's going to bang bodies with these guys. That's going to try to stretch the fence. I need to get Carlos free so he can get into moving spaces. Um, because the way that the match was setting up, and then again, the way it was refereed, uh, Carlos you know, Carlos is a smart player. He understands, hey, I'm not going to get mine here. I'm going to have to go look for it elsewhere. Uh, unfortunately, that elsewhere kind of played into the tactical plan of Seattle, who had numbers in front of their center backs as well. That's, that's you know, I, I, I hesitate to say um, with some people that, you know, it's obviously been brought up a lot after the last matches, Carlos doesn't have big games and big matches. Uh, you know, it, part of it's got to be tactical. It has to be. And it's yeah. like Bob says, 
and and I would say it too. Uh, everyone has a plan for Carlos. I mean, you're not doing your job if you don't have a specific plan for Carlos. Sure, sure. That's a great point. We're talking with LAFC Vince. You know him and you love him here on Soccer Weekly. Vince LaRosa from LAFC.com. Vince, uh, let's take a look further at the season in general. Look, uh, full credit to S- Seattle. But honestly, it's not like Brian Schmetzer is a genius and Seattle is so great. I mean, we saw far inferior teams do the same thing to LAFC at times. Right. And and beat them that way. Minnesota, not a far inferior team, but, it, uh, you know, Adrian Heath to me is not exactly Tata Martino. <laughs> so in the sense that he came up with the same plan, everybody was doing it essentially except for the Galaxy because they can't defend with 11. But everybody was eventually defending with 11 and praying and hoping that you were hot under your one or two chances on the counters, and that's how you beat LAFC. Let's uh, let's mirror this the sense that Seattle did nothing special other than finish a few chances. Great, they deserve that. Vince, it's more on LAFC. This whole season has been about the black and gold to me. If they're hot, if they break down defenses, they win and win easily. If they're not, they struggle. It's all about the black and gold because they were the best team. Why did they have so much trouble going down the stretch Knowing they were, you know, they were playing eleven v you know eleven defenders most of the year, and it just didn't look quite as good the last couple of months, Vince. Yeah, if we're if we're gonna put, you know, if we're gonna say Seattle, you know, we, up front, we're just saying, you know, they had a good tactical plan, they executed well, which they did. Um, on the flip side, you know, LFC still thinks and believes, and they have shown over the course of of most of the season that they can still break down teams that do that it's it's never uh it's never black and white you know it's another one of those we have to hold ideas in our head that are that seem contradictory but it's going on at the same time look seattle goes out there they're basically saying hey we're going to make you funnel into the center of the pitch where we have extra bodies go ahead and beat us that way and lafc simply did not find ways did not find the angles uh did not find the right passes i mean what i looked at a lot through that game was Seattle was basically saying, okay, we'll, we'll allow you to go wide with the ball, and we'll even allow you to maybe beat that first man to go inside. Never never, never vertical, but inside, because yeah. we know we have extra coverage. And guys like Diego Rossi, uh, Brian Rodriguez, in those moments, they didn't find, they basically beat their man, but didn't find ways to then get the ball off their foot. And when you're doing that, and you're not doing it well, um, with either bad passes or, or passes that are too late, uh, you know, LFC is, is, is a timing mechanism offense. Um, and if you throw it off by one step, even if the pass is to the wrong foot, you're gonna, it's not gonna come off that way. And then you're gonna have to rely on maybe a little bit of Carlos magic, which he sets up that first goal by dribbling through four or five guys, but you can't, you can't do that on a consist- consistent basis. And that's not even what LAFC is really built for. They're built to move inside, to get moving pieces to the, to the point where you, you're a defense and you say, wow, there's three moving guys, which, Let's take just the less dangerous option to protect. And they yeah. never had that. It was really, it, it became almost, uh, you know, that it was like almost that ISO basketball game where guys were just getting the ball and seeing who can I, who can I beat 1v1. And then by the time they were able to get the ball off their foot, it's a, it's a deflected pass or, um, a guy's already ran off sides. It, it, there was just little things like that. And LFC never seemed to get in tune with that, um, in, in, in reference to the game plan that was being put in front of them. Great stuff. We will continue with Vince coming up. He's in studio here for the next segment. That is still to come. We've got so much more to get to. Dave Denholm and you, this is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Indeed it is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm hanging out with you here on ESPN LA 710, the home of LAFC. We're talking with LAFC Vince on Twitter, at LAFC Vince. Vince LaRosa from LAFC.com. Part of a two-segment black-and-gold breakdown because we obviously had a lot to talk about. The season ends with a 3-1 loss to Seattle Sounders in the Western Conference Finals. 
They will take on Toronto FC, a familiar refrain for MLS, coming up with the MLS Cup on November 10th. Vince, we get right back to it. 2019, by my estimation, Vince, will be remembered by all of us. To me, it's the best team I've ever seen in MLS, but it, they won't be remembered by many other people because they didn't win MLS Cup. What? How do you feel about that as a fan, Vince? How, your thoughts on that? I mean, we'll all remember it because of the, the great times we've had in 2019. Yeah. I mean, I, I can understand. It's it's the way the mechanism that, that MLS has set up. Um, it's the way we're conditioned here in North America to have playoffs. Uh, you, But you can't tell me that when uh, if we unified a table and, and number four is playing number nine in the championship, that one of those two teams is the best team in MLS. You, you simply can't. No. But I understand if you're a, a fan of those teams, hey, celebrate. But you're right. I mean, we, we looked at this LFC team, and it's not just the supporter shield. Um, it's not just the points. I mean, aesthetically, just pleasing soccer, um, really fun soccer to watch. And at a high level where you're, you're saying, hey, man, they're not just gaming the system. They're, they've got something going here, and, and I think uh, at the end of the day, if we if we you know we're sad today, but if we want to really look at it, they took a step forward, and if we take another step forward, man, I I, I can't even predict. We again, we can't predict what's going to come next. No, and it's a, a good segue to what is coming next, which is the expansion draft. Of course, LAFC fully understands the ramifications of that happening just a couple of years ago for the black and gold. On the other side of things. Once again, they got to come up with a list, Vince, now with 12 players. And some of the rules, you can go to MLSsoccer.com if you want some of the harder details on some of the rules. LAFC basically have to protect 12 players. They can only lose one, regardless of whether it's Nashville or Inter- Inter-Miami. Selecting someone, they won't lose more than one player. Vince, I think this sets up pretty well. As I made my list, I'm sure, are you are you crafting a list in private or what? I, I am. I am putting something together in private because I've gotten so many so many questions about it that I'm like, i got to be ready. i got to have my ammo ready to go. Yeah. here here I'll, I'll go ahead and say it, Vince. You don't even have to respond if you mm-hmm. don't want. Mm-hmm. He's Vince Villarosa in studio with me. My list might surprise some people, but probably won't. Uh, I guess the, here's the thing. You know all the usual suspects that are going to be on the list. It gets down to, generally speaking, that 11th, 12th spot. You know, that's usually where things kind of come to a head. Here's what I propose, or what I would do, honestly, if I'm John Thorrington. And again, this is no disrespect to either player. It's a matter of, I think it's strategically smart. Mm-hmm. I, I would not protect a goalkeeper at all. Because if you were to lose one, you still have another one that you like. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you don't protect either one, it allows you to protect someone else. Now that unfortunately might mean somebody has to go because we may well lose a player in this uh, expansion draft. But I contend to you that with two good keepers, then you go ahead and open up a spot for other positions and not even protect one. Is that just insanity, Vince? In principle, I'm not. I'm not even letting you talk about the players themselves. I mean, in principle, it. It, it makes sense, right? The goalkeeper seems to be the one position where you say, I got two guys that I really like. One kind of pushed the other, um, but I don't have a, a big enough sample size from the other to say yeah. definitely what I what I know about either of them. I do know that they're both good. I do know that they're both young. I know that they're both American and do not take up an international spot, which when yep. you start to consider these type of things, especially when you start to parse out, okay, where do I want my international players and how many do I have? Um, well, yeah, especially that you're right. LAFC, that's definitely a factor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely so right. it, is your replacement, you know, it, what kind of what kind of replacement can you get? Things like that. I think uh, it makes sense. I would say that the one caveat for all this and, and something that we've seen already in the in uh, prior years uh, with John Thornton is it seems to be 
he would prefer not to lose anyone. Um, and you work, you know, you work kind of a, a deal, um, which MLS allows kind too, of, yeah. kind of one of those things. I wouldn't be surprised just because the reason why I say that is I, maybe, maybe if we're talking about this, um, five years from now, we're talking about a different thing where LFC says, yeah, we're, we're willing to lose a player. But when you're just, you're, you know, now we're only going into year three, you just really want a core group. It just, even if it's somebody that you feel like you could lose, I feel like fundamentally and philosophically within that locker room, it just it's it's a bad feeling, um, and I think that that's something that that John Thornton is is acutely aware of. Um, you know, he's he's talked to you and myself a lot. You know, it's not only about the players and what they bring to the field, but what they what they, who they are as people, yeah. um, and who how they how they contribute to this locker room. So I I just I feel that he would prefer to keep you know he'd prefer to spend some money. Which has no personality um, to keep some personality. <laughs> that is a great, very good way to put it. Actually, <laughs> I like that a lot. Vince Larosa at LAFC. Vince joining us here on Black and Gold Breakdown. Here's the bottom line: when you don't win, Vince, and even when you do in sports and especially in football, things change, right? In the soccer world, the best teams move pieces around year by year. You just cannot get too attached and overcommit to anything because, again. The game is fluid on the pitch and off. What do you expect, though? You said it. They've got a great core. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought some of the interesting signings just we never saw enough of. Uh, and I'll even ask you, Vince, what is there a future for Alejandro Guido, uh, Fito Zelaya? I'm not saying they're going to be you know gone tomorrow or anything. Like I really, I, I thought those were excellent signings that just you know, as it happens, they didn't quite work out. Yeah, those are tough conversations. And those are two areas where I would say maybe if we're talking just in a more general sense that the team's very much going to have to look at. Yeah. I mean, when you when you only have one true number nine, and I think, look, Carlos Vela is going to play probably more in that position um, going forward. Uh, he's simply he's simply getting older. Uh, a winger just generally doesn't, you know, you, you don't gain speed as you get older. Now, Carlos is a, is a freak of nature, and he's not based a lot on speed, but he does have that little burst of quickness. Yeah. Um, and that's going to start to fade a little bit. So if he can find ways uh, to still be effective in a different position, it's probably going to be in that central position as a number nine. However, um, one of the things that, that was t- talked about Fito Zelaya when he came in was he's this, this different nuance to him, this little bit of meanness, um, this different way of finding angles and edges around the box. I think that's a player that, yeah, definitely LAFC should we be looking to We utterly missed it yes, this year. absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I definitely, when they, when they announced the signing, and I didn't see it coming, you might have known more than I did at that mm-hmm. time, I was really pleasantly surprised uh, because that is a dude who just frankly – finds ways to put the ball in the back of the net, you know, and and as much as people want to talk about the beauty, you know, the beautiful game and the gorgeousness of it, I like what you're saying. He's got a bite to him, and sometimes that bite equals goal after goal after goal, and you need that. Yeah, no one, no one's going to complain if you're if you're the guy that's able maybe in a in a bit role as a substitute every once in a while come in and break down those bunker defenses or yes. or when Carlos Vela needs a break maybe you get a start and you get a, a goal or two. Vince, I, he could have five goals next year and it would it could be huge impact you know what i'm saying like off the bench even if he never hardly ever starts and i mean i don't even mean fito specifically but that type of player you could have five or six goals and be dramatically different as a team yeah i mean consider going forward consider in the moments let's just say if it would have been this season and it happened from this season consider in the moments where those five goals might have plugged in oh you know they, 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 that's the difference between 
Uh, we lost four games and probably maybe losing two, one or two games, and maybe a draw is different. Maybe maybe we roll out supporter shield winners. We're way earlier, way ahead yeah. of the curve. Could um, be closer to eighty points. Yeah, so quite lo- frankly, those those tiny little margins um, are important, and that's that's something that, uh, like I just said, LFC is going to be focused on that. They 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 know they have a core, but they're saying, hey, we left some we left some meat on the bone in, in certain margins. Where where can we get better? All right, twenty second answer here. All right, the the young player who most intrigued you this season and going forward. And by young, I still mean you know twenty five hundred. Maybe hasn't played that much football. Mm-hmm. Who's the one guy? Obviously, there's plenty of candidates on this team. Yeah, that you really thought took a, the biggest step forward, and you're 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 super excited for twenty twenty. I don't know if it's a step forward, and this might be cheating, but I'm going to say Diego Palacios. Uh, Chiqui Palacios, to me, ah. uh, left back. Um, when I look at – now, I feel like LAFC has already created the disruption. They've got wide forwards like Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez. That's a that's a different aspect that MLS didn't really have before. Yeah. What's the next way that you can really maximize your potential? Man, if you have a left back – that, that can attack, but not only that, but read situations to where you're holding in the ball and you're pinning teams in. And this is all the the qualities that Diego Palacios brings. Look, you might be looking at an even better season than you had before because he's simply, he's he's very good on the ball. Um, he's very smart. I mean, he just, he has that little extra bit. And I think he's a guy that a lot of people are going to wonder, man, it seems like we have a, a DP left back. Um, he's going to look like a steal. Of the great Vince LaRosa, LAFC Vince. Enjoy the offseason. It came too quickly for us, Vince. I know that. But thanks for stopping by in the studio. Appreciate it, man. Always a pleasure, Dave. Vince LaRosa, Black and Gold Breakdown here on Soccer Weekly. We continue on. More to look at with LAFC and the Galaxy and the MLS Cup matchup. I'll get an early preview on that, although we got time to talk about that one here. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. It is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave DeHelm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California, the home of MLS in Southern California, at least LAFC, the black and gold, play right here on ESPN LA. We're the home of MLS talk, certainly, in Southern California. And I do want to get to a little bit more of the Galaxy and LAFC, also MLS Cup coming up November 10th. We can just discuss that a little bit further next week. We'll get to even further into this, the breakdown of Seattle and Toronto FC. I'll give you my initial thoughts here. But here's something that I wanted to say about the Galaxy going forward that people in this town don't want to hear. And when I say people, I mean soccer fans of both the Galaxy and LAFC. There is a lot to look forward to for both these clubs in the near future. Now, there was a lot of trouble for LA Galaxy's defense this season, no doubt. It was a mess at times. And we saw it in their final loss to LAFC. They just could not stop the black and gold from scoring. They had no trouble scoring goals themselves, though. And in MLS, you can figure out defense. It is hard if you don't know how to find goal scoring and if you're not spending the money appropriately on offense. Now, everybody will say, well, if Zlatan leaves, yeah, but you know what? I know LAFC hates LA Galaxy and vice versa with sports hate of a thousand suns, but if you look back at the Galaxy's history, when have they had trouble finding the right players to score eventually. They've had some bad seasons. But it's not like LA Galaxy is unwilling to go spend. So even if Zlatan leaves, in fact, they'll have a lot of money to spend. Theoretically. And that designated player spot. There's a lot of weapons on that team. And more importantly, even if, you know, the Christian Pavone on loan, Zlatan leaves, blah, blah, blah. 
they have the foundation with Dennis Teclusa and Guillermo Barros-Scaloto that they will be successful. They will. Now, LAFC fans might not want to hear that, but that's just the, the way it is. They're going to be successful, and probably in 2020, if they can straighten out their defensive woes. The previous regime spent way too much money on bad defense. You cannot do that in MLS. It's one of my ten rules of building a franchise. Yes, I've written them out. You cannot overspend poorly as anywhere in the field in MLS, but especially defensively. If you're going to spend seven figures on Jurgen Shelvick, he better be Paolo Maldini. And he wasn't. And isn't. You know what I'm saying. You ha- Certainly, I'm not saying you go on the super cheap defensively if you're the Galaxy. There's No, you've got to rebuild it. But don't overreact to it and stop spending poorly defensively. They'll be fine. Offense moves the needle and offense wins. And that's what you have to come up with. And that's what the Galaxy will do and are good at doing. LAFC don't want to hear it. You know what the Galaxy don't want to hear? LAFC are here to stay. The organization is too good. This is a battle now for this city for years to come. This is not some fly-by-night, oh, it's probably going to take them 10 years to figure everything out. LAFC got it right from day one so far. Now you got to keep doing it in professional sports, and they know that. They are here to stay and will be very, very good for a long time. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. That's the beauty of it. If you can separate yourself even momentarily, you don't have to admit it as you're listening to the show, right? It's just you and me. You don't even have to admit it. But if you can separate yourself from your diehard fandom on either side, black and gold or the blue and, the blue and gold, the blue and yellow, whatever you want to call it, of the Galaxy or LAFC, if you can separate yourself for a minute, you have to admit that the future is bright for both. Yeah, there's holes to fill for both, like any other organization that didn't win. There are things that have to be improved. But 2020 could be huge. There are a lot of things going right with both organizations. If you can admit that, even to yourself privately, then you are you you can be nothing but pumped up for 2020 in MLS in LA. It is going to be spectacular. I love the offseason. Now I hate losing. And I wish the offseason would have started about eh, 12 days of you know later. Give or take for LAFC. But I love the offseason. MLS's offseason is fantastic now. And it's catching up on the other sports too, because the other sports are always great with the offseason, right? MLS is getting there because the signings are coming in from Central and South America and all over the world and the moves and the selling off and the loaning in and the loaning out. Fantastic. I can't wait to keep you informed on it right here. If you miss any of the show each and every week, you should be podcasting it anyway. And you can. Go to ESPN Pod Center, go to iTunes, wherever, and search for Soccer Weekly with Dave Dunno. Please, subscribe, rate, rate the show, and, and write a review. It would help. 
I don't ask you for much. But it, it, look, a lot of disappointment now, and rightfully so. I'm going to give you a quick peek. Let's just take a quick minute here because we're going to really break this down next week. But, again, kudos to Seattle and Toronto. They were the better teams in their matches. They didn't fluke their way into the final. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. They deserve to be there. And it's a familiar refrain because they've been playing each other over the last, it seems like, five years in the finals of the ML. They, they did the two in a row. Remember with both teams rotating victories, Seattle in 16, TFC finally getting it done in 17? Well, they're back. And it's an intriguing matchup because both teams have to feel like they don't need to defend with everybody behind the football in this one. They have to feel like they can win this match, which I think will allow for an open free-flowing game in Seattle on that horrific turf. That's another story altogether. But we will certainly break that down further. It is a very intriguing matchup once you get over the disappointment that your team's not there. Because they're two loaded teams. Excellent teams. One of the keys might be the injury in Josie Altador if he can get back on the pitch. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. We still have stoppage time to come. I am Dave Dahome. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. <laughs> Chuckling at myself. I find myself very funny, which is ridiculous, actually. But I am Dave Dahome. This is Soccer Weekly, because you don't find me that funny at all, I'm sure. But in any event, one segment that's always funny and always good because of the dude who hosts it, the great Mario Rees, is stoppage time. And we do welcome the host of Stoppage Time and the producer of LAFC and Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA. He is the great Mario Reese. Mario, nice to talk to you, buddy. Good to talk to you, my man. Yeah, you know, looking forward to this offseason, seeing what's I going know. on for the black and gold. Dude, I'm already excited about CONCACAF Champions League, and yeah. I'm, I'm over the loss already after about 48 hours. I'm it, not it over hurts. it. I'm, I'm not, not over, over it, it. like for, for the long picture, but I'm already thinking, let's say, about 2020. Yeah, me too, me too. But uh, two teams that are still in it, Dave, Toronto and Seattle, are going to do it again. Toronto FC are Eastern Conference champions. They are headed to MLS Cup for the third time in four years. A familiar fall awaits for Greg Vanny's team, this time on enemy territory. Tonight, Toronto FC wins in Atlanta as the defending champions fall. That sound courtesy of TSN, of course. Now, these two teams are back at it in the MLS Cup Final for the third time out of the last four times. Yeah. Face-to-face again. That says a lot for these two franchises here, these two clubs. Sure. What do you think What do you think LAFC can learn from each one of these clubs? i got to be honest with you, and I want to be honest with the uh, listening audience. Mario told me he was going to ask me this question, and at first... I didn't think I liked this question for stoppage time. We don't always know exactly where we're going on this segment. but And then I realized this is a great question, Mario, <laughs> because I came up with the answer that I think is honest and true. I really do. I try to be honest with you, the listener. What can we learn as LAFC from Toronto and Seattle by the way they've conducted their business? And the answer is nothing. We can take nothing from those two franchises. And that seems harsh. But it's just that 
these are different franchises. It is no disrespect to Seattle or Toronto. They're doing things right. And in a grander scale, I guess if you want to go very generically, you can learn that you got to keep doing things right, which LAFC already knows. You know what I'm saying? They have already are doing it right. They're already better than these two teams and these two franchises. Now, they didn't win, so you can't really say that if you're not me, basically. Anybody else would disagree with me, but they're already doing things right. So the, the true answer is they can't learn anything from those two right now. But that doesn't take away anything from what Toronto and Seattle have done. They're the best in terms of getting to the postseason and winning games that they have to win in the postseason. And they deserve it. But it is, it's an interesting question, actually. I mean, the playoffs is just a wild, wild, you know, wild, wild it's west a It's a crapshoot. It's the shoot. Dodgers in baseball. I mean, they're the best team. The Dodgers and Houston are the best two teams in baseball. They didn't win. Right, so the, the the New England Patriots were the best football team I've ever seen. A few years back, they lost to the wild card New York Giants in the postseason. It happens. That's the beauty of playoffs. I love playoffs. I'm not going to just besmirch them, and I will never besmirch the great Mario Rees in stoppage time. Awesome, Mario. Great stuff as always. Thank you, Dave. Don't forget podcast the show at the Pod Center or at iTunes. I am Dave at home. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710.